What are the trucking industry's biggest challenges in 2023? On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're counting down the top 10 driver concerns. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Today, we're counting down drivers' top 10 concerns in the trucking industry, as published by the recent American Transportation Research Institute. So let's jump in. Number 10, autonomous trucks. I thought this was interesting uh, because I'm, I was really surprised it was even on the list at all. Uh, from my perspective and my point of view uh, as an executive running a trucking company, I, it's not even on my radar. So I don't know what's happening out there where drivers are concerned about that stuff. The autonomous trucks, they're a long ways off. And even when they do come into play, uh, they're not going to take anybody's job. If you're a, an OTR driver, regional driver, even local driver, uh, that isn't the place for these autonomous trucks. So I don't think those are should be any concern at all of you. And, and like I say, we're quite a ways off. I'm thinking 10 years down the road at least before they would play any kind of significance. And in my opinion, we're always going to need a driver behind the wheel uh, somebody to hook the truck to the trailer and the airlines. And uh, our case, we're flatbed. So somebody's got to tie that load down to the, to the trailer, stuff like that. So don't let that worry you. Autonomous trucks, it's not an issue. Number nine is the ELD mandate. So I got to think this is some kind of hangover or something. I mean, we've been dealing with electronic logs now for uh, quite some time. Uh, everybody's using them. Um, I'm not sure if that is a response maybe from an older generation of, of our driving force where, you know, they just still don't like it. We want to go back to paper. We want to do those things. But he, here's where I think, uh, here's where I'm at on it is ELDs are here to stay. We're never going back to paper. Now, will they continue to look at the regulations and continue to tweak things? Uh, sure. I think that can happen. And in the last time they did it, you know, they did some things that actually worked back in the driver's favor. Um, but ELDs are here to stay. There's no use in, uh, you know, losing sleep over it because they're not going anywhere. So I think the best uh, thing we can do as drivers, professionals out there is just learn to adapt and, and make the best out of the situation. Number eight was broker issues. This is kind of a big one and it's really gotten bad here uh, just in the last year, for sure. Uh, we, we deal with this in our own fleet. Um, in fact, we just had a driver advisory board meeting last week, and it was one of the things on our agenda. And I'm speaking, there's a lot of things going on with brokers, right? There's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of double brokering. Uh, those things have to be a big concern. But when we're looking at it from a driver's perspective, you know, the things that we learned from our own uh, team was, the frustration comes is they all want you to download a new app now, right? So they can track you essentially. So they can send you the load and track you. Uh, and they're, they're selling that because it's uh, the customer wants it, right? They want real-time tracking on the truck, which is, is understandable for sure. The frustration from the drivers is that, okay, first of all, you want me to put this thing on my, my personal cell phone. Uh, and then you still get all these calls from the broker themselves, right? It's almost like they forget they have the app to track you. They're, they're tracking you on the app and they're still making several phone calls. Did you pick up? Uh, did you leave on time? Did you deliver? Can you send me a copy of the bill of ladings? All those things are still happening. So I do understand the frustration on the driver's side. 
It should really be, you know, either you want the app and you're going to let me use that and use that as the communication between PS or you're going to make the phone calls, not both. And I think that's what's happening, at least what I heard from our team, is the frustrating part of the, you know, they're just calling you. And they shouldn't be calling you when you're driving anyway. You know, you've got regulations on that. Uh, use of a cell phone while you're operating commercial motor vehicle. It's like they're just oblivious to that whole thing. Uh, and they just keep calling. One of our guys even told me that he goes, he goes, I can deal with that. You know, they want to we'll call you when it's the loads delivered and stuff, but then they call you five days after the load delivered and need another piece of information. So that that's a real concern. Uh, we're certainly trying to address it in our fleet. Um, I think one of the things we're going to do um, is, is, you know, they always want your personal cell phone number. I think the driver should ask the broker for their personal cell phone number too, right? And then if you need something, you should call them at all hours of the night or whatever, uh, you know, whatever they need, whatever you need from them and stuff and see how they like it, so to speak. It's hard. It's a, it's a tough one. It just, it almost feels like we shouldn't let them get away with it. And I feel like dispatch's hands are tied a little bit. So we worked with our operations group and we're going to try to, you know, tighten that up a little bit with the broker and say, listen, I'll, I'll give you the driver's cell phone or we'll download the app as you request. But here's the deal is then you're going to track our guy on the app. You're not going to sit there and call him, you know, four times a day and, and disturb him. He needs to be focused on his job. He needs to be focused on operating that truck up and down the road. And we'll get you your information as soon as we can. So anyways, that was number eight was uh, all the dealings with the brokers out there. Very frustrating. Economy was number seven. Uh, it was number one, by the way, on the motor carrier side of the survey. So when they're talking to execs and owners of trucking companies, the economy was number one, the biggest concern. In the driver side of it, it was uh, number seven. And, and I'm just going to tell you, it should be a concern of yours. We're going through some tough times uh, as an industry. I'm sure your particular carrier is struggling a little bit. You've probably noticed a slowdown in freight, uh, maybe more layovers each week. Uh, but that's a direct result of the economy. And here's what's happening. So essentially, we have too many trucks in the United States, too many motor carriers in the United States, and not enough freight. So in order for that to correct itself, we either need more trucking companies to go out of business, or we need freight to pick back up to support the carriers that are currently in business. Now, I think the economy is going to be slow for a while, so I don't know that we're going to see a huge uptick in freight for a while. So what needs to happen is we're still we're going to have to push out some more truck lines to get everything back in balance. And that's why everything slows. We just got too many trucks fighting for too little of freight. And when that happens, the rates go way down and uh, it just takes longer between loads because the demand isn't there. Number six is driver training standards. Uh, I thought this one was a little bit interesting and I kind of had to read a little bit deeper into it. I was kind of shocked that it was a, a concern of drivers. But when you read upon it, it's basically what you're seeing is for professional drivers. If you're te you know, tenured, been in the industry for a while, uh, it sounds like the concern from the comments in the, in the report was essentially you see new drivers coming into the industry and you don't feel like they're being trained right. So is that particular with their driving skills, uh, their lack of knowledge, those type of things? And 
it's tough. You know, we were all a rookie at some point. So are we being overcritical of new people coming into the industry because they're just a little bit different than we are? Or is there a real issue out there where the standards aren't right? Now, the government did something a couple years ago to try to intervene with that and, and set some training standards out there for CDL schools. And that was meant to eliminate the kind of fly-by-night schools where you could get your CDL in 48 hours type thing. So they're trying to do some things. Um, but nevertheless, you know, you're seeing stuff out on the road that you don't like, you don't think's professional. Uh, you think they're probably lacking some skills. And that certainly could be the, could be the case. Number five is detention or delay times at the shippers and uh, receivers. That's been going on for a long time, right? And it certainly has gotten better over the years. And I'm talking, you know, when I look back 20 years ago, what did it look like compared to what it is today? It's better, but it's not where it should be. And I really don't think we're going to be able to correct that until some kind of regulation passes where it says the shipper has to get us in and out in a certain amount of time or the shipper is required to compensate the carrier um, if they don't get them in and out in a certain amount of time. But to be honest with you right now, there's a lot of shippers out there that just don't care. They're going about their daily business, however they run their business, and they're not thinking about the drivers that are sitting out in the, the staging area and how long they've been there and how inefficient some of their own processes are. They're, they're worried about their own dollar and they're not thinking about ours. So uh, could be a lot of work could be done there to improve that. And, and I think that's a, it's sitting at a good spot at number five. It's something we're going to have to push in as, a, as an industry. And until we get into that shipper's pocket and it, it causes a little bit of pain with the money, um, they're not going to address it. So talk to your motor carrier, talk to your, your own business, and, and make sure they've got detention policies in place with their contract shippers um, and make sure they're following through with them. Now, the other side of that could be, you know, if you're using a lot of brokers, I don't think the brokers probably step up like they probably couldn't take care of the drivers. It always seems like there's an excuse there of why the broker can't pay the truck or the driver some kind of detention pay. It's like, there's so many rules. Um, they, there's so many things you have to do just right to qualify for the detention pay. They're always going to be able to find something uh, that that disqualifies you from getting that. And that, that's just not right. It's just an excuse. And I'm pretty sure the broker's probably collecting something. You know, if they've got their act together, they've already got contract agreements in place with those shippers about delays with the truck. And I think they're probably not as good as they could be at passing that along to the to the driver, to the carrier, who who's really feeling the pain. Number four, speed limiters. Um, that, yeah, I, I get that one. That's kind of a hot topic, obviously, because there's been more talk about it recently in the last year since uh, our current administration is in the in the White House. That has popped back up, so to speak. My personal opinion is it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to get done. Um, it doesn't seem to be that serious. They keep talking about it, but I, I think you've got a Congress that, that's probably going to keep anything from happening there. Um, now, when I kind of change hats and I look at things from a, an owner side or a, a safety side, do I have concerns about some of these trucks running up and down the interstate at 80 or 85 mile an hour? hundred percent. I absolutely think, um, 
that is crazy insane to think you can operate an 80,000 pound motor vehicle at that kind of speed and, and keep control over it. So I, I am in favor of some kind of speed limiters uh, in the future. And maybe the problem here is that they've never really said what that speed was going to be. You know, we heard 65, we heard 68, which most company trucks are already governed around that anyway, probably between 65 and 70. Uh, I think it's the owner operators, you know, the independents out there that are used to just uh, running up and down the road that have, have the biggest concern and, and making the biggest fuss over it. The, when you think about, you know, the arguments for speed limiters, uh, from the driver standpoint, it's always that, you know, you get two trucks that are side by side running down the interstate and causing a bottleneck because they're probably a half mile an hour off of each other. And the one guy decided he needed to pass the truck in front of him because he's just a little bit faster, but then he has trouble getting all the way around him in a reasonable amount of time. I'm just going to ask you something. If, if you're in that right lane and you've got a truck behind you and you see that he signals and he's coming out and he's going to get around you or try to get around you. If you notice he's struggling to do that, tap the brake, let him go by, tap the brake, count to 10, 10 seconds, and then you can resume the cruise again. He'll get around you. But that's probably the most frustrating part is, well, the second most frustrating part. First of all, I'm not sure why the guy thinks he needs to get around you if he's only running a half mile an hour faster anyway. But if he does that, you as a professional in that right lane, you can help reduce a lot of frustration on the road, a lot of road rage and stuff like that. If you just tap your brake, count to 10, let the dude go by you and then hit your resume. You know, and I know that's going to happen a few times a day, right? If you're spending a full 10 hours out in the interstate, stuff like that, it's really not costing you that much time when you think about it. 10 seconds a pop, a handful of times a day, it's not really costing you time. Um, and it, what it is, is relieving the frustration because, you know, I've been in both sides of that. I've been the truck, I've been the motorist, uh, behind the truck that's eight or nine or 10 cars long and can't seem to, to get around the trucks at all through the bottleneck. If you're the guy in the left lane that thinks you got to pass, Look in your rearview mirror. If you see a line of cars behind you, you're causing an issue. So you need to consider that before you get out there. Um, I know everybody's got certain rights on the road and we need to share them. And I totally agree with that. But just out of courtesy and professionalism, uh, maybe a little more consideration about that of when you decide to try to pass. I don't know if drivers use the CBs anymore. I have a feeling they, they don't like they used to. You know, it used to be, hey, driver, I'm going to pass you. In um, in the two trucks could talk. I don't I don't think that probably happens like it used to anymore. So, anyways, little courtesy goes a long way when it comes to to passing out there on the interstate. So, fuel prices was number three on the list, uh, and the list actually broke it up between company drivers and owner operators. So, fuel was not on the the list for company drivers, obviously, because the company's paying for the fuel. It was it was in the top three um, for the owner operator group. And that's not really a surprise. The challenge with the owner-operator groups, if you're true independent uh, and you're out there running under your own authority, I think what's happened in the last couple of years is there's been so many new entrants into the trucking world. And these guys go out and they buy a truck trailer, get their own authority. Uh, but they're just hauling for brokers, right? They don't have any contract freight. They don't have any real customers. 
And that's where the challenge comes. If you go out and you get yourself a customer and you're under a contract rate, there's going to be a fuel surcharge contract attached to that. And then all of a sudden the fuel prices aren't as big as deal because you're protected. Um, so I think it's lack of contract rates with a lot of independent drivers and they feel the pain when the fuel goes up, uh, they get squeezed, squeezed pretty hard. But the thing you can do about that is if you're an independent is go find yourself a contract shipper. Uh, it'll make a big difference to your bottom line. So, uh, that'll take a lot of that pain away. Number two is parking. We just had a podcast uh, a few weeks ago on parking and my thoughts on that. Uh, it's a real deal. Uh, the thing when you think about that is it's not going away anytime soon. I know there's finally legislation uh, at the federal level to try to help with those things. And there's been some money appropriated for that stuff. But this is not a quick fix. When you think about how long is it going to take them to expand rest areas or areas where trucks could park or designate uh, areas for that, it's going to take a while because you get to think about you know all this construction that needs to happen and, and things like that. So what do you do in the meantime? Uh, I'm an advocate of the paid parking. And I know that sounds crazy as a motor carrier, but when I sat there and I studied it and I did the math and I understood that my drivers were pulling up short for the day, they weren't running out their hours for the day because they were so scared they weren't going to get a good parking space. Uh, at the end of the day, they're stopping at three or four in the afternoon instead of running out their full 10 or 11 hours. Uh, when you start to think about the revenue that's lost on the truck and the earnings that's lost on the driver, um, I think that $20 bill or whatever they, they want is probably worth it. And I hate that. I hate to give it to the, you know, to the truck stop, so to speak. But uh, if the paid parking works as it should, meaning you can reserve a spot and they actually hold the spots for you and you don't have trouble when you get there, I think that's 20 bucks well spent. And my message is probably if you're a motor carrier and you're not reimbursing your drivers for that, you probably need to reconsider that. That's a big deal. And it's going to pay you back um, as a motor carrier as well. It's a, it's a small investment. Uh, and then think about the, the stress side for the driver, the, the relief of stress for the driver. Man, if I know I got a, a reserve spot for me at the end of the day and I don't have to stress and struggle with that, that's a big deal for your driver's well-being out there. So you really need to take that into consideration if you're a motor carrier. Number one, uh, won't be any surprise to you, it's driver compensation. The one surprise I thought was interesting, like I said, they broke out company drivers and owner-operators, is that compensation was not in the top three for owner-operators, but it was number one for company drivers. What does that mean? Well, I compensation is always going to be in the top three, right? Or you would think it should be for any business, any employee. Uh, shoot, we all want to make more money. Um, so that's always a concern. But I thought it was interesting that it wasn't in the owner-operator side. Uh, they had other concerns with the parking, the fuel prices, and um, some things like that in their top three. So that tells me that, you know, they're probably doing okay for earnings. The owners are. Uh, and they just got some other things that are stressing them out a little bit more. But we talk, we've got several podcast episodes out there about how you can increase your earnings as a company driver and things you can do. You know, there's always going to be a ceiling. There's always going to be a limit of what you can make as a company employee. But there's handfuls of drivers in any fleet 
that that constantly complain about that. And in almost every case, you can sit down with the driver and you can find areas that where you can work together with your motor carrier dispatcher to find you additional earnings. The question comes down to, is the driver willing to do that? The problem is we all want to do the same amount of work, but want to make more money. And that's not really how it works. So you're going to have to probably change up some things, change up a few habits, uh, be a little flexible with, you know, the lanes you run or what days you run, maybe even flexible with your home time uh, and things like that. If you want to see more compensation, those are the things you could do as a driver. Those are the things you could impact as, um, you know, sit down and talk to your driver manager. As a company uh, in the economy as a whole right now, uh, it would be tough to go find more money in the budget to pay drivers more. So, you know, we're in this um, situation in the economy for probably another six to 12 months. So you kind of need to buckle up. If compensation is one of your concerns, you need to think about that, that the company you work for is going to struggle to find freight. So those extra layovers, uh, the downtime, uh, the shorter miles, maybe not as many miles as you want in a week type thing, that stuff's going to continue for a while. So the question really becomes, what can you do for yourself as a driver? And that's all those things we just talked about is uh, you have to be a little bit more flexible and, and work with your driver manager just to make the best out of the situation that you can. So that's it. That's uh, the top 10 uh, app as published by the American Transportation uh, Research Institute. They do this survey every year. Uh, we're going to put a PDF in our show notes here for this in case you want to download the report and check it out. It's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, and they also, there's separate lists for the motor carriers, what they feel is the top 10. It, it, it's very different from what drivers see. And then one thing I noticed this year was they also did a law enforcement top three. So that was interesting to see from the law law enforcement's point of view, what was their concerns. It was more things like driver distraction, speed, things like that. So anyways, check it out when you get a chance. Uh, should be in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.